Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest show on And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this episode of the show, where tonight we're going to be talking about the Demonic Dean's film pick of the week, Fuck Score May, from 2022, and directed by Peter Strickland. Of course, as we said last week, the Dean's going to be running a little bit late because he coaches a basketball team of some sort. But of course, I'm not alone right now. I'm joined by the bold and beautiful, the Gold Gate Keith. John Stevens? Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, fuck. My tummy hurts so bad right now. I've got a fucking case of fucking gas that is just unbearable. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, welcome <laughs> to tonight's episode. That's a, that's a little taste of what you're going to get on a little later on with Fucks Gourmet. Um, I was busy jerking off over the egg lady, so I didn't even have gas. So just thinking about getting those eggs popped in my face. Just turned mm. me on so much. Can't control I myself. Love a good egg. That's why I have to go put I love it. Yeah. I love a great egg. I, you know what? Yeah, now that you bring that yeah. up, though, like Carlos are like jerking off to like the fucking egg lady or anything. Man, there's, there's just some yeah. things in, in, that that are just great in life, like a great fucking omelet, man. Oh, Here absolutely. A diner omelet, a fucking diner omelet with mm. some home fries. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. It's, it's, it's done right. Yeah, no, no, I, I don't disagree. I, I don't. Oh, oh, hold on. Wait, wait. See, see. Look, I, I can even bring it to reality. Hold on. Hold on. Oh shit! Here we go. Oh, oh, there it is. You know, I, I don't know if that sound came across or not, but see, see, I told you, <laughs> I told you that that tonight I have terrible gas, so terrible. The, the gastric ulcers over there, damn. <laughs> yeah. I apologize yeah, I mean, for live farting on air in case that like you know gives me any kind of like fucking penalty or, or fine or something. Yeah. Ah, we'll, we'll find out. I mean, you know, the things we've talked about in the show, I'm surprised that we haven't been taken off the air by now, but I think we're okay with some on air farting. I mean, it oh. line with the <laughs> let's listen to our previous catalog <laughs> you know, of uh, the things we've talked about, and you'll see why. But, uh, yeah, a good fucking diner omelet, man. I'm, I might have to get one this weekend. It's nothing like a good Western You know omelet. what it is? Mm-hmm. Is we're we're from Jersey, and you know that that's mm-hmm. that is part of it because you know Jersey is known for having fucking like the most diners in the entire fucking world. Um, so since mm-hmm. we we have one, every fucking you know rocks fucking throw away. You know we 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 have to like there's there's literally like two things that I think I have like there there is like two things that I have to have at like every fucking diner I go to. One obviously is sampling the omelet of some sort, but yeah. you know. French onion soup, 
You know, for me, no. it's like, every, yeah. it, it, it doesn't okay. matter. I could be there for fucking breakfast, and yeah. I'm still ordering the French onion soup because I need to know whether or not that diner has good French onion soup. Now, what's really funny about that is, is if that diner does not have good French onion soup, I'm never going back to that diner again. So, like, that is mm-hmm. a fucking – that's a deal breaker for me. If you got bad French onion – I will never go back there again. Yeah, because you could fuck up French onion soup if you're not careful. It's got to have that nice, oh, thick fucking cheese right on top of that crock mug. Yeah, it's got to have that thick layer. The, the cheese that. has to be good. It has to be melted properly. You have to have just the right amount of, like, burnt cheese, like, on the edges and around the side. This way you can kind mm-hmm. of peel it. You don't necessarily have to scrape it. Um, you know, the, the soup has to be you know, not too salty. It's not true. water either. You know what I mean? Like there has to be that like mm-hmm. perfect balance of like sodium with it as well. Because like, I've been there and I've had, had them and it's like fucking, you know, just it's like drinking water and I don't want water for fucking, you know, my, my French onion soup. And then, of course, there is what I don't know. Looks like the ghoul dropped. So we are going to continue with him just for a little while. Hopefully he can call back in. But, of course, we were talking about diners because, uh, as you may know, the ghoul, myself, and the dean are all from the Great Garden State. Uh, So there are diners pretty much every other block. But those are all contingent on good food, of course. So you have to have a good French onion soup. You're back with us. Okay. Dude, blog talk, blog talk, fucking knocking it out the park again, huh? Of course, all the fucking time. I, I kept it moving while you were getting back, talking about the, the French onion soup. Um, but, yeah, that's all contingent because I've had, I've had French onion soup where it's fucking like water. It's gross. Never going back there. But when it's got that nice kind of not-so-thick fucking juice, oh, you're good. And, and, and the bread like product, whatever it is, like that's what I was kind of saying last, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't know if it's like a giant crouton, if it's a piece of fucking French bread or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> that too has to have like the right consistency, like perfect case in point. And I mean, granted, listen, you know, you're going to get what you get out of like large chain types of places, but like there's that whole Panera bread thing, you know, and like the oh, only yeah. reason I ever, ever get. The, fr- yeah, the only reason I'll ever get French onion at Panera bread is because you can get it with that bread bowl. But for yeah, me, like can. that's the only so way to have good. it from there, because that bread bowl is great. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking big piece of fucking sourdough bread, you know, loaded with. But the French onion soup itself is mediocre at best because you know they're just sprinkling a little bit of like, you know, shredded fucking cheese in there, and you got to hope that the soup is hot enough to like melt it a little bit. Because realistically, it's like all you're really eating are like fucking like s- small little pieces of like pencil shavings. Like if you had fucking like those uh, those clickety dickety pens uh, pencils when you were a kid, yep. the one that you could fucking click it out and you'd always take the whole oh, fucking piece worse. out, and then you'd be like, oh shit, I don't have any pencil left. <laughs> yeah. It made no, fine fine fucking lines whenever you wrote, but the problem is they'd snap if you put just a little too much fucking pressure to them. They always fucking snap. I never can fucking take those mechanical pencils. As soon as I started writing, but that's what they snap. were called, mechanical pencils. See, look at that. Yeah, that's a big word. That's why I fucking hate. I hated those fucking things. That's why I remembered them because I fucking hate mechanical pencils. Who the fuck made these? They're like made to fucking just be fucking destroyed. I mean, but again, I'm always that sucker for a good pen, like those G2 pens with the fucking comfort grip and shit like that. No, 
like as a writer, fucking, I just love those pens, like fucking writing with paint. <laughs> um, but yeah, those that fucking fresh onion soup in Jersey, especially with all the diners around. I mean, here because I'm a Jersey transplant, you know, I moved to Pennsylvania, and there's only like a couple diners around here. They're good for breakfast. They're not very good for the lunch. You know, for the French onion soup, you know, just skip it. You know, go to a you know, someplace else. But the breakfast, I mean, they got waffles the size of truck tires. And that that's that's a winner for me. If you can get me a, a pancake the size of a truck a truck tire, I'm sold. Get that nice big scoop of butter on it. <laughs> good cup of coffee, good to go. It's a good way to start the day. But we're of course talking about that because Fox Gourmet has a lot to do with food, uh, kind of. So yeah, we want to bring up some food early on. But since the dean isn't here, and we are also wrestling marks on the show, at least uh, the the ghoul and I are. Um, I wanted to ask you, ghoul, because I know you're kind of intermittent when it comes to to watching. Uh, but we are leading up to the Royal Rumble on January 27th, and and what do you think about kind of the shape of things to come? You know, what what do you think is going to be the road to WrestleMania? Well, I mean, you know, for me, again, you follow this every, you know, the the, the weekly ins and outs of everything. Mm-hmm. I catch things, you know, throughout rumor mills and and various Twitter feeds and stuff like that. So I'm really not in the complete no for the storylines. I'm just looking forward to the Rumble in general. Um, you know, obviously, I do know all the hearsay about, you know, the, the, the Rock getting involved and whether or not we're going to see The Rock versus Roman. You know, everybody's saying that it's going to be The Rock versus Roman at Elimination Chamber. And, you know, obviously what's set for Mania is going to be, you know, the, uh, the Cody Rhodes versus, versus Roman Reigns 2, um, which, I mean, I think mm-hmm. if they do that, I, I think it's an obvious we're dropping the belt to Cody, um, which yeah. I do feel is kind of like if you're not going to drop it to to The Rock and do that at Mania, then there's no reason to drop it to Cody at Mania. Um, right. And my only reasoning behind that is if you're going to let him hold the belt to get to Mania, and you're not going to have what everybody is clamoring for, which is The Rock versus Roman at Mania, which is, which is what WrestleMania should be, should be that kind of match. Um, I agree. You might as well let Roman hold that belt until he at least beats Hulk Hogan's record, because otherwise you're going to mm. have him drop before that. And then Hulk Hogan is going to continue to hold that fucking as being, I guess, what, the third longest reign, you know, when you take out the two. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's beaten Pedro Morales. So you got Hogan, yep. Backlund, and San Martino. Now, look, Backlund yeah. and San Martino are untouchable records. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're just never, it's never going to happen. Nobody's ever going to hold the belt for fucking 2,000 days. Nobody's ever going to ever hold the belt for fucking eight years in a row. That's just, that's just <laughs> impossibilities. You know, we as, as a civilization no longer have that kind of fucking attention span. Um, you know, nor do we also believe that wrestling is an actual legitimate sport dictated by, you know, the, the actual best athlete and everything, as everybody did believe at that time. Um, sure. So, so yeah, if you're going to if you're gonna do it, then don't have him drop it to Cody at Mania. Let him hold it. Let him beat Hulk Hogan's record. And honestly, 
set that up for next year so that you get Roman versus Rock. Let the Rock take Roman out. Let him become the head of the table. Because you totally shut down the entirety of that storyline. You close it like a fucking book. The chapter gets closed. Roman takes a long fucking holiday, which is what he supposedly wants anyway, you know, being that he feels like he's worked so much all these years. And, you know, meanwhile, you know, we know he works at the pay-per-views. You know, we know he shows up at mm-hmm. fucking the weekly events and does his talky-talky stuff, but doesn't actually really do much other than that um you know in in comparison i love that there was this whole big fucking thing that like i guess somebody had put out there showing how many times fucking seth rollins has defended the belt like since he's won it and i'm sorry but like if you're oh excuse me please see look all the fucking burping farting it's 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 all about (laughs) the fucking flux, flux, flux gourmet today um if you're any kind of like wrestling fan don't sit there and throw numbers at me about Seth Rollins defending his fucking title at non-televised events. I don't give a fuck how many times he's defended the title at non-televised events. As wrestling fans, we know non-televised events mean fucking jack and shit. That's exactly what they are. They are fucking just simply there so that the fucking WWE can make money throughout the course of the week and that people don't feel like they're being robbed when they go there because all they're watching are jobbers like we used to watch on fucking Superstars of Wrestling. So, yeah, you have these big names. You have these people showing up at these events. But there's never any kind of major fucking turn that occurs at any of this. I think in all of the time that I've watched, you know, the current type of, like, wrestling, so let's say since, like, the late 90s to now, I think – Something dropped on a non-televised once, and I think it was because whoever the wrestler was was fucking walking out anyway, so they made him drop it, and then they had a whole big course Mm -hmm. correction when fucking television came back. It might have been, like, Kane or some shit like that. Like, he might have, like, accidentally, like, won a match, and then fucking the next night they were like, oh, that didn't happen, our bad. (laughs) Yep. But you're right. I mean, it's, it's... I'm actually fine with that type of booking, where if you want to have it in 2025, have it be Rock versus Roman, and have it be the kind of closing chapter to the bloodline, and have him kind of be the head of it. Um, I just think Rock's excuses for why he wants to do what he wants to do are kind of weak. Um, I mean, we've talked about it before, where he keeps saying, if it's going to be me versus Roman, I'm definitely going to be jobbing to him, because I want him to be over. Well, Roman's been over, over a thousand days. He's been over. He's got the clout. He's got the fan base. It's not like he just started as champion. Fine, if you want to have it be Cody versus Roman. I'm more interested in Seth Rollins versus CM Punk. See, I think that's what's going to be the Roman, uh, the Royal Rumble winner is CM Punk. And he's going to take on uh, uh, Seth at WrestleMania. I think that's much better because that feud's actually fun. Like, that's just Seth being that fucking character of an asshole, but he just fucking hates CM Punk. <laughs> he's selling it so fucking well. You know, and, and you know, I, I don't really care how many times he, he defends on TV either. Really don't care. I just want a good story. And, like, that's the thing, too. He's selling it so well that you almost wonder how much of it <laughs> is real. You know, because it's like, all right, you know, maybe he does have a little bit of a little, little bit of a bitterness towards, towards this guy, you know, for, for doing how he does. Um, you know me. I've never been a CM Punk fan. I never will be. And it's got nothing to do with his backstage politics. It's got nothing to do 
with anything other than the fact that I find every match that that man has to be a complete and utter fucking snore fest. He bores me. His finisher is yeah. literally called Go to Sleep. Go to Sleep. And that's aptly, it's <laughs> yeah. aptly named because anytime there's a CM Punk match, I'm ready to go to sleep. So it's perfect. You're going to put me to fucking bed with CM Punk because I'm fucking done. You know, I might as well turn the fucking TV off. Um, you know, as far as Rollins goes, like, look, you know, Rollins has had his share of decent matches. But like we talk about whenever, like, we're doing our, our group chat and everything, I'm kind of over the whole every fucking match of Rollins. Oh, Rollins has a bad yeah. knee. Rollins has a bad back. Rollins yeah. has a bad neck. He's going to struggle. He's going to get beat up. Oh, no, the guy's targeting his knee, back, neck, whatever. Fu- oh, his fucking finger. He's got a hangnail. He stomped on his foot a couple of times. He's got fucking his balls hurt. He got hit with a low blow. You know, Rollins has been affected by whatever fucking injury that he's been playing up for however long, and he's going to limp around the ring, and he's going to, oh, he's going to sell it so well. Oh, look at him, look at him, look, he's fucking stumbling around. And then suddenly, suddenly, like the fucking phoenix itself rising from the ashes, Seth Rollins cures himself just enough to curb stomp the person after fucking running around the ring, bouncing around all over the fucking place like there ain't nothing fucking wrong with him anymore. Wins the match, and then he's back to, oh, I'm fucking stumbling again. It's like watching fucking Attack of the Clones. You know, I'm going to use a Star Wars reference, which I know you're not going to get because you ain't never seen the fucking movies. But it's, it's like no. Attack of the Clones <laughs> when, when you're at the end and fucking Yoda comes walking out with his fucking cane and he's looking all old and shit. Then all of a sudden he whips it out as a fucking lightsaber. He has this fucking bouncing around all over the place, off walls, off fucking ceiling, jumping here, jumping there, flip-flopping around like a fucking, like a fucking wild monkey with a lightsaber fighting Count Dooku. But when all the, all said and done, you know, like all of a sudden he's just like, oh, okay, back to the cane and he's fucking walking again. It's like watching the fucking old man from fucking Six Flags back in the day in the commercials, you know? <laughs> Exactly, you know, and like that's a that's I mean, a yeah. match for me. <laughs> it is. I mean, just being a I, fucking athlete. Yeah, I've never been that impressed with Seth Rollins myself either. Even before all that stuff, even before he was champion and he was just a, another mid card wrestler, I never really understood the love that he got because he can cut a great promo. He is great on the fucking mic, but he is just so kind of just. Boring in the ring. He's just not that great. Just like Sam Punk. I give him credit because he's a great mic worker. But in the ring, very boring. Very just slow, not that great. Like, when he went over to AEW, people were talking about how just much he would box shit. And he was always falling over himself. Like, he can never get anything fucking right. And everybody's like, look at this fucking guy. Botch a mini over here. Like, but he was like that in WWE. He just, he's great on the mic, just not in the ring. You need kind of both. Like, Roman Reigns? Fucking horrible on the mic. Great ring worker. Because like you said, Ghoul, he gives it his fucking all when he's doing these PLE events. You know, he gives it 110% in those fucking matches. So I give him credit for that. He doesn't need to fucking be on Monday Night Raw defending the belt. <laughs> give me a good fucking PLE match. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing, though. You know what I mean? Roman Reigns, he is your typical, I'm a muscle-bound powerhouse. You know, very rarely are we going to ever have to see a technical from Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns climbs <laughs> that rope, you know. You know, you're like, oh, 
fuck, where is this going? You know, it was like when Brock Lesnar <laughs> would try to fucking pull that shit off. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, they are, they're distinctly very different characters, you know. And listen, Seth Rollins is just the latest version of the, the Shawn Michaels character type. That's all he yeah. is, you know. Yeah, it's it's literally that. the same exact thing. Michaels did the same shit. Even up until, remember, Michaels back. Michael's back is what fucking got him out yeah. of wrestling. He could never wrestle ever <laughs> again, you know? And then magically this fucking surgery happened. And I get it, medical breakthroughs occur and shit, but whatever surgery happened not only got him back in the ring, but it got him back in the fucking title hunt. He had some of the best matches of his career during that time frame. And and it was a good thing to see, you know? And and I was happy with it. I never I never disliked Shawn Michaels. But Shawn Michaels had that combination of in-ring excitement with that mic skill. You know, when Shawn Michaels, and that, I guess, does also lean towards it being a different time. I guess at this point in the WWE, things are so vanilla, and that's probably what bothers me the most. It's just too repetitive. It's not as exciting and dynamic as it was, and it's wrestling. You know, it's sports entertainment, but it's almost like even watching football these days. It's like they've taken the violence out of it. And violence is a major part of sports entertainment. It really is, you know. Like in football, you want to see people get fucked. I don't want to see people get hurt. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. But I do want to see people get hit. And it's like, okay, well, if you stop fucking having people hit, then you might as well make them play flag football. But you know what? I ain't going to watch flag football on TV. People ain't going to bet on that. Well, they will. They'll fucking bet on anything, man. Oh, yeah, I've had my fucking, yeah. I've had my fucking run with DraftKings in like the last two weeks, you know. Thankfully, because I'm not like oh, a fucking shit. degenerate gambler, and I'm not not knocking it, man. <laughs> Gambling's an addiction, and if you do have a problem, get yourself help. There's phone numbers for it. I don't know what it is. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, like I got on DraftKings, you know, threw, threw in my 25 bucks, got all kinds of like bonus monies, bonus bets, all this other shit, and I was like, all right, you know what, I'm only going to use the money that I put in there. I'm going to use all these bonus bets, do whatever I'm going to do. I ended up, like, making a couple of bucks. Nothing crazy, but, you know, like, I, I'd fluctuate up, I'd fluctuate down. Never ended up, you know, using anything more than that initial 25 bucks. Um, and then I ended up using, like, another, like, 25 after that. But, like, what it was is you would think, oh, well, you played cards, you played craps, you played roulette, you played... No, you know what I would do, man? There's this fucking thing on DraftKings, right? Mm-hmm. You could put a sum from a dollar to a thousand on what is basically a fucking random number generator. That's a rocket ship. The rocket ship takes off, and as it takes <laughs> off, it climbs up into the multiplier on the fucking side of the screen. The higher the rocket gets, the higher your multiplier. So, you know, if you put in a dollar, you can fucking, you know, you bail out at two, you got two bucks. You bail out at six, you got six bucks. Put in ten and so forth and so forth to get my drift. The thing goes up to a 1000 mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. like, my buddy Mark is like, listen, Keith, here's the trick with that, and this is what you got to do. And it, it, it goes against everything that I fucking, like, totally stand for. So it's, it's almost like it, took, it had to take me out of my comfort zone to even try it. He's like, you just got to put in a dollar and just let it go. Don't bail out. Don't bail out until it's, like, well in the hundreds because it's going to go up there. It does happen. You know, and I have seen it multiple times go into, well, into the hundreds, a couple hundreds here, 200 there, four, uh, 300 and change at one point. But, like, I would put a dollar in, and I would hit, like, 10 or 15, and I'd be like, fuck, I'm mm. bailing, you know, 15 bucks. I don't want to, because if it blows up, 
I'm fucked. I, I, you know, whatever. I only lost a dollar, but I could have made 15. I could have made 25. You know, but by the time you make that decision, the fucking thing blows up. And you're like, oh, man, you know. But you're like, okay, we don't, whatever. I'm going to let that fucker ride. Bro, I can't tell you. Saturday morning, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, all right. And I'm trying to, like, calculate averages based on, like, the, the rise of the thing. You know what I mean? I got to figure all right. Just like, like anything. There's got to be a number from one to a thousand and everything in between that this thing calculates. So if you go on a run where it's blowing up at, like, 1.02, 1.06, like, however many times in a row, you're going to be due for, like, some kind of, like, medium rate number. Like, let's say anywhere from, like, 2 mm. to 20 in, like, 3 or so after that. I fucking throw my dollar down, man, and it starts going up, and I'm like, I'm looking at the numbers on the bottom, and I'm like, I go, fuck, this thing's going to blow early. So I fucking pull it out at $2.17, okay? $2, this is what I made on my dollar, and a dollar seventeen. Yeah. And then I proceeded to watch this fucking rocket go up to 1000 okay, as I oh, sat there. And I'm watching it climb, and I'm like, it hits like 20, it hits 30, and I'm like, okay, blow up, because now I want it to blow up just so I can make the next, you know, I can put it in again. No, nah, it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. It's 100, and I'm like, all right, well, normally it blows up anywhere from like now to like 127. No, still goes, hits the three, hits the four, and I'm like, fuck my life as I'm just, and I have to watch it because I can't close the screen or I lose the $2.17 that I just won. So, so so that was that, you know, so I I was able to take, you know, whatever little bit that I made there. I got down as low as like three bucks and then I took it from three and got it all the way up to a hundred and something again, brought it all the way back down to like seven all the way back up mm. to like 60 something. And again, this is all within that initial little bit that I put in there. And then I bet like $2, two $1 parlays on fucking the, the, the college football game. Figure I throw in a dollar bet with like eight legs and I'm going to win 500, 600 bucks. I did one other bet that had like three basic legs. I tell you, I got closer <laughs> with the fucking large leg fucking parlay than I did with the basic one that would have only won me like $30. You know, I almost won five hundred on a fucking dollar. I almost won fucking six thousand on a dollar bet the one time. Um, oh damn! I missed it by I missed yeah I missed it by like fucking two parlays, bro. Like two out of like an eleven fucking parlay, bro. <laughs> two fucking things missed. I was fucking I was livid. I was like, you gotta be fucking shitting me. And the two things that I missed on were like the they were like the things that I was like, oh, that's definitely happening, man, because that happens every fucking week. Except that week it didn't. Um, <laughs> So 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 yeah. So that that's basically where where I was at with that. Like so now I'm I'm done with it because I took that sixty. I put the two fucking singles on that, and then I was like, all right, I'm gonna finally do this. I'm gonna sit here. I got fifty nine fucking dollars in this account. Fifty nine dollars and like thirty five cents, and I'm gonna just do a dollar, and I am not gonna pull the fuck out. Then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do a dollar, and I'm not gonna pull out unless this thing goes over a hundred. And then I proceeded to watch it, not even get above like. 30 for fucking like 59 straight fucking rolls, man. And I was like, well, <laughs> there we go. My, my betting days are done. I've got 35 cents in my DraftKings account, and that's what that fuck is staying at. <laughs> oh, God. That's why I don't gamble. I'm not a gambling person. I just couldn't do it. But, yeah, I mean, WWE's in DraftKings now, so I mean, you can fucking gamble on anything. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I figured you know, that. You know what? Well. I guess maybe it only comes up during the, 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 the whatever they're called now, the PLEs. The PLEs, PTOs. yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, there's nothing on there. 
like I because I tried like like you know, put it into the search bar. I checked everything for it, and nothing comes up. I'm hoping they do have something for like the Royal Rumble because I might throw ten dollars in just so I can fucking throw something on just to have some fun with the fucking WWE thing, you know. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure they will. I, I guarantee you they will. They do with all those POEs, uh, live events. You know, it's not no, like you can't bet on like Monday Night Raw or SmackDown, but I guarantee you they could bet on the big ones. But, you know, and then yeah, what you're saying about Seth Rollins, I was kind of just thought about that. I was like, you're right. He basically is just a modern day Shawn Michaels. Because remember back in 1991, Janetti uh, getting kicked right through the barbershop window. And then oh, in 2015, so Rollins turns on the shield. <laughs> oh, shit. You know, God, it's like fucking just amazing. I mean, that was one of the greatest moments in fucking wrestling history, though, because Shawn Michaels is becoming, like, the greatest heel ever with that kick out oh. the fucking window. As, as, as a kid at that time, man, the Rockers, <laughs> yeah. were the, sh- the Rockers were the shit. You know, like, up, up, yeah. up to that point, you know, we, having no cable, I wasn't watching w, uh, WCW or NWA or anything. So, like I've said in the past, yeah. all I knew about that stuff was through the magazine. So, like, I knew about the Rock and Roll Express and, like, all these other high-flying, fast-moving tag teams. But, like, it was very few and far between in the WWF at that time that those guys were ever, like, the tag team title holders. You know, you had guys like the Killer Bees, right? And, like, they were fucking Mm -hmm. high-flying, fast-moving guys. But, like, they were, were, like, mid-level success other guys look good um you know you you, you had your uh strike force you know but even like tito yeah. santana and like rick martell right there when you look at those guys like they weren't like small high flyers they were just very athletic muscle-bound guys the rockers were fucking high flyers bro like, you know, you had Shawn Michaels, who's this fucking skinny. He looked like fucking, you know, most of the people that I knew in New York that were, like, dating my aunts at the time. You know, and, like, yeah, Mario <laughs> Gennetti was, like, short and, like, he wasn't, like, ripped. You know what I mean? Like, he was stocky. But, like, if he's considered the muscle of that group, he's far from fucking huge, you know? I, I would think, like, the only other, like, real, like, tag team at the time that I would think had that, like, kind of thing was, like, the Hart Foundation. But uh, but, but even mm-hmm. them, they were both fucking, like, real muscly, you know? So, like, those, those guys, too, were never, like, the, the high flyers. All the high flying teams seemed to, like, suck in the WWF. It was all about, like, demolition and fucking Legion of Doom and, you know, fucking Haku and Tama, all these fucking big motherfuckers. Yeah. So, so the Rockers were fucking. Yeah, was, they were like legendary, bro. Like they came out. And it was like fucking. Hey, we finally got like guys that kind of look like us. You know, us little scrawny fucking kids yeah. that were here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and to see them go through all that and then have that big fucking turn with Shawn Michaels, you know, super kicking them right through the fucking glass window. I and mean, it was amazing to see that. And I was trying to think of like tag teams back then because yeah, there, it was all about the fucking big dudes, but. You know, they had, uh, I think Brian Tillman was in one back in the 80s in uh, NWA with uh, Tom Zank. I think he was called the Z-Man back then. I have to look that up. But I remember they were high flyers. So that was, well, again, like well, you said, you had, that wasn't something you, you could normally watch. You had Tom Zank with Rick Martell, and they were the Can-Am connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So right there. I mean, it, it's, you know, high flyers weren't like a big thing. And then, you know, you think about modern day, and there's a ton of, of high-flying tag teams. Back in the 80s. It was all about who the fuck could be the biggest fucking person. That was all Vince wanted was Titans. That's why he got all these big ass dudes. You know, like you said, like you know, demolition and earthquake and typhoon. You know, 
<laughs> the natural disasters. <laughs> the natural disasters, man. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I used to fucking love them back in the day. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's all it was. And, and, of course, Legion of Doom. And it's great to see, uh, you know, Ellering is back, you know, in the main stage. You know, the former Road Warriors fucking manager. He's with the author mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. now in WWE. So it was great to see Paul Ellering on SmackDown. Uh, he's still alive? Holy shit. Oh, no shit. AOP is still fucking going strong, huh? Yeah, well, they got let go for a little while, then brought back kind of behind the scenes, and now they're part of uh, Carrying Cross's stable. So now AOP uh, is... I mean, uh, that's a tag team I always wanted to see get gold. AOP. I was like, that's like the old-school 80s type of tag team. Just two big fucking guys that just want to fucking cause destruction. But that, they never really quite could get there. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it, it was like they were always just lacking some kind of like push, you know. Plus, I'm sorry, but you know, like, and for whatever, whatever arguments people want to make on it, it's it's kind of like when you watch in boxing, right? Like during Mike Tyson's reign when he was at the top, there's just no other competitors at the time that really matched him until he was right. kind of a little bit past that prime, and that's when you know Buster Douglas takes him down. You know, the guy had already reached the highest height. And now he was on his way down, and, and, and here Buster Douglas takes him out. Um, I feel like, you know, being that the last, I mean, can we say, is it safe to say 10 years, has been so dominated by the Usos? Easily 10 years. Of, Easily a decade. Because of how fucking good they are. It's not, like, mm-hmm. I don't, like, I can't even, like, Again, you know, it's not even one of those cases in which it's like, oh, well, they got the fucking belt again. It's, I never, ever feel like not that when the Usos get the belt. Like, it's always like, man, these fucking guys consistently put on such a great fucking show, a great match every time they're fucking in the ring together. You know, they work so well together. Every match looks dynamic. Everything looks fucking great. The fucking matches, you know, they ebb and flow. They make the other people look good while still also looking fucking phenomenal themselves. I'm such a fucking Uso stan when it comes to those two. Like, I love Jimmy and Jay, man. Like, I think those fucking guys, like, I can't wait to one day watch them get accepted into the Hall of Fame because they're, like, one of the few where I'm like, these motherfuckers deserve it. This is actually what the WWE Hall of Fame is. (laughs) Oh, it's going to happen, I guarantee. I mean... I'll be there for that, but I can't wait to see the Miz get inducted in the Hall of Fame. That's a fucking guy that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, especially what they're doing with him now, where he's just kind of jobbing the people to put them over. Like, I was like, that guy, get him in the Hall of Fame. I was like, the guy can work the mic, he can work the ring, and he has no problem putting people over. He's like Jericho. Jericho never had a problem putting people over if it worked, and he would do it, and he'd be happy to do it, you know, to give somebody a push. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But the funny thing, so too, with I, the Miz is, like, when you, when you watch it and you watch his matches, it's no different than what he's done his entire career. He has always yeah. put people over. He has always made other mm-hmm. people look so fucking great against him while still consistently, you know, also looking good and winning. That's the big difference now is that, you know, he's not necessarily winning mm-hmm. as often. You know, he's not carrying the gold as often. But he also has other things that he's doing outside of the WWE, which I'm sure has something to do with that. You know, if he was still capable, I think, of dedicating all of his time, I think then maybe, you know, they'd be a little more like, all right, let's go. You know, you, you definitely should be getting this belt again. 
Oh, yeah, because he's got so much going on, like you said, with TV shows and movies and things like that where, you know, he doesn't necessarily need to have the gold around his waist. Like, he's already accomplished it. He's a Grand Slam champion. He already accomplished yep. that. So it's what else is there for him to do other than going in the Hall of Fame at a certain point. So, and I think it'll happen. And, and with the Usos, like, I used to also kind of give that credit to the New Day uh, for a while. And before that kind of got stale, like the Usos for me never got stale. It always felt fresh. It always felt new. Um, but the mm-hmm. New Day just kind of, after a while, just kind of felt like it was the same thing over and over again. Just kind of felt like, uh, you know, we're funny and we're going to be out there having fun and stuff like that. Whereas fucking Usos, they could turn heel real quick and you'd still fucking love them because they would still be mm-hmm. cutting great promos and still fucking flying in the ring. You know, so I, I you know, I was always agreeing with you that the Usos are definitely, I think, the greatest tag team champions of, of the modern era. You know, so the past 10 years. Oh. Uh, Easily. Well, and again, um, that's because they, they have that ability to flip both heel and face. I think the problem with the, uh, with the New Day is it also it feels so gimmicky. You know, like I'm not, I, don't, yeah, I don't take away from the talent of the, of the performers. You know, they're, they're all very talented. Um, thing just feels like such a put-on and such a silly gimmick. You know, it, feel, it feels almost like a stereotype. And there have been so many times that I kind of even, like, feel bad that, like, these guys are the ones that got, like, picked with this. But then I think, oh, man, they got to be making fucking money hand over fist. Is there any word <laughs> on, like, Big E? How is he doing? Uh, he, he's back to, like, almost 100%, but him wrestling again probably isn't going to happen. You know, he's already okay. said that okay. he probably won't be back in ring, but he will gladly be a commentator. He'll be a manager. Like he'll do backstage stuff. Um, but as far as like in ring, he thinks he's pretty much hung it up. You know, because he just doesn't want to okay. have to risk it again. So no, and I wouldn't mind. Not. Like he, like he is such a great personality. You know, Biggie. Like you know, he was the guy in the New Day that I loved because he was so fucking funny all the time and a huge fucking guy. He could power slam the best of them you know, and, and have fun doing it. But, again, like you said, it just becomes so gimmicky after a while. Like, they needed a heel turn. Like, I was kind of waiting for them to kind of turn dark a little bit, you know, and turn on the, the uh, audience a little bit because that's the way they were when they first started. And a lot of people don't remember the New Day when they first started, but they started out as kind of like a religious cult that was mm-hmm. led by Big E. And it was kind of like we're wearing khakis and we're wearing button-downs and we're all about the higher power and, you know, it was kind of like, you know, they were an evil kind of cult that were trying to recruit people. And then one day they're like, you know what, we want to be all about pancakes and unicorns. And all of a sudden it blew up. And now they got merchandise everywhere and they got unicorn horns and they got, you know, pancakes and cereal. It worked but They're flinging out into the audience yeah. and they have mm-hmm. studios and everything, man. But, but yeah, no, you're right. I, I, too, always felt like, you know, at some point you guys do have to make a turn. And not only do you have to make a turn, but you have to, like, take this and really flip it on its head and go almost to, like, nation of domination level, like, turn. 100%. Where, you know, this yeah. ain't fucking, you know, the happy, scrappy New Day anymore. We ain't about the fucking pancakes now. It ain't about the O's. It's about the W's. You know, it's about fucking getting those wins, mm-hmm. getting those belts. You know, Kofi Kingston gets the belt. You know, like you could have taken all of the storyline things, all of the things that they did with that, right, and totally turned it around and then use that as your reasoning for turning. Like, hey, we're one of the biggest fucking acts in the WWE for however many years now, and yet how many title shots have we actually gotten? Kofi Kingston is a former champion who made an upset, wins at WrestleMania, hugest fucking thing at the time, and then they bury him within a few months and take the title away. Like, all these little things that they could have used for an actual storyline, they just 
Just let it all go. They, and they, they kind of still do it now, even though Big E's not really a part of it. I mean, they still do it with Kofi and with uh, Xavier. Now, it doesn't really work as well because I think that a big part of it was Big E. I think he added a lot to that trio. And not having him there kind of doesn't really help. And that's when I thought they should do kind of like a heel turn, you know, where it's like if Big E is going to be a part of it, let's have Kofi and, and Xavier do like a little bit of a heel turn. Hasn't quite worked but, out, though. But like you said, I like that kind of storyline, you know. We, we're all about the W. That's why I like the Hurt Business with Bobby Lashley and, and uh, you know, what he's doing now with the Street Profits because that is mm-hmm. domination of domination. That is very yeah, much like on. we are about the Ws. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we are just a sh- we are straight business right now. Are they still being run by MVP? No, not anymore. He's out. Oh, okay, okay. But I think that's See, the but I, I, li- I liked how they did that. I liked how they took yeah. you know, MVP, who was always like a, a happier type of character, and turned him into like a, a cutthroat, like, you know what, this is what you guys got to do. You guys got to focus. You got to, you know, become this. I think the big problem that you also have right now with New Day with Kofi and and, and, and – um, Kate, no, not Kofi King. Oh, who's the other? Uh, Xavier. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, the the problem is Kofi and and Xavier are similar in size, not ability. Kofi is definitely way more talented. Has a oh, lot of physical. Seconds. He's got a lot of physical, dynamic, aerial gifts. He can come up with moves on the fly. He can take. You know, he can take fucking bumps. Unlike a lot of people that I've seen in the WWE over the years, I give Kofi Kingston a lot of credit for that. Um, Xavier Woods is kind of more of like a mid-carder, you know. So Big Mm -hmm. E, I even felt like, was when they started trying to kind of push him into the the bigger mix of things, I kind of even felt like that was a stretch because I feel like even Big E is kind of like on the mid-card range of things. But I get it because they were gonna they were gonna put him as the powerhouse type of character. That's what you're missing mm-hmm. in the new day right now. You, they need to get a third, and they need a muscle. They need somebody that's big. They need somebody that's muscular. They need somebody to kind of balance that 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 group out because you have the speedster, you have the skill set with Xavier. Now you just need that guy that's just your big fucking bruiser. Yeah, they need an Ahmed Johnson. That's who they need. Bring Ahmed Johnson in there. Fuck shit, everybody out. Or Farouk, you know. Or Farouk, or even New Jack City. If you want to get extreme, come to cut people. New Jack just fucked himself up all the time, man. That guy was just a straight up street brawl. That was fucking fantastic. Oh, that dark side of the ring fucking rampage that one time. He missed yeah. that fucking shit by he missed that shit by feet, bro. He just got his hand out just just enough to like make contact with the guy on the table. But you just watched New Jack's body hit that fucking concrete floor, and it was just like, oh, bro, I'm sorry. Like, why did he even try? Yeah, he was probably so high at the time, probably didn't even feel it. Just so amped up and all the methamphetamines he was doing at the time. <laughs> what a fucking maniac! But um. So, yeah, we're still waiting on the Dean. He's running late because of his, his shit. So there are a couple things I wanted to bring about because it, it's, you know, horror podcast. We want to talk about horror news. We did 45 minutes of wrestling. So I apologize. Yeah, for I that. apologize maybe, for that. Sorry. Yeah. But we get on a roll because we love it, and we kind of hope that you guys too. We're, we're fucking just wrestling. But anyway, talking about more wrestling because why not? Um, Nick Nemeth, uh, who you might know go as Dolph Ziggler, <laughs> no longer with the WWE. <laughs> He's now with yeah, and, yeah, uh, New Japan. Yeah, a while. 
They did. Okay. But he uh, is in a he's in a three minute short now called The Wanted Man, um, and where he kind of acts like Kurt Russell, where his character is locked in the back of a police car. His day gets worse when a Sam Raimi style dead invasion shows up to the party. From there, Nemeth heads into a bar where they fight, gets really bloody, ending with a hell of a gory finishing move. Uh, you can check out the trailer on uh, the Talking Terror Facebook page. But yeah, he is now with uh, NJW, uh, New Japan Wrestling, and he's going for the championship. I wish him all the best because I was a huge Ziggler fan, always was, even when they weren't giving him much to do. I was like, you know what? He's still there. You know, let's see what he does. They teamed him up with Bobby Roode. They were the Dirty Dogs for a little while, and I liked that angle until Roode got injured. He's now officially retired from wrestling. He's backstage now. But, um, you know, I wish Nick Nemeth the best because I have always loved Ziggler. He's a great character uh, and on the mic and in the ring. Um, so that's that. If you want to check it out, like I said, it's on the Facebook page. Um, Stranger Things Season 5, finally happening. I know you guys have been kind of waiting for that announcement. Netflix released the behind-the-scenes image of the assembled cast earlier this week. It's finally happening. So when are we going to get it? I would assume probably 2025, maybe even 2026, with the way things are going. So you're going to have to wait a little bit longer uh, for Stranger Things Season 5, which stinks, but at the same time, you know, have we forgotten about it? I think so. Because Stranger Things season four was two years ago, which is hard to believe, <laughs> but it was. Um, what what, what show is this something... that you're talking about? Season five. Of what? Stranger Things. What Stranger Things? You know that show that used to be on Netflix about the kids. They what did. Kids? They're now very old. Yeah, well, I mean, they're they're adults now. I mean, they're, they're in their their thirties. Uh, you know, it used to be heavily eighties nostalgia. You know, there was one girl that could do shit with her mind, I think, and then uh, there was one kid that was really into Metallica. Remember that? That's all oh. I really remember. Remember that show? Interesting. <laughs> no, no, it not, used to be not really. Show. I mean, it, it must have been must have been a long time since we've seen. Nah, I'm just kidding, of course. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, saw the, I saw the news of the I saw the little picture that they put up of like the, the them sitting around in a room and they're like principals have begun with this sh- with the show finally you know with the season. Um, cool, you know. Look, like we've all <laughs> said, when, when it comes out, we're all gonna watch it, you know. And I'm sure for. For whatever little bit of time, there'll be Stranger Things fever again for a little while. I don't think it's ever going to hit the heights that it was at. And no, no. And again, you know, I, I appreciate what the Duffer Brothers put together. I do really think whether it was them, whether it was Netflix, whoever the fuck it is, I really just do not think they treated this proper property correctly. Um, Maybe that's me being a little bit of a brat and being, you know, accustomed to I would agree television you, television mm-hmm. working and giving you seasons within like a year or so of each other, not having these huge stretches of fucking time. And I, I, I would, of course, much rather them tell the story the way they want to tell it and tell it properly. But at the mm-hmm. same time, too, I feel like, you know, if you create something like that, at some point you do have to look at it and say, hey – we have a responsibility to the audience to get this product out to them 
so that they can fucking resume enjoying it. Because otherwise, they're going to go on. And you know what? Like I said, we don't have fucking attention spans like crazy. You know, so, so if you're not, like, filling us with all kinds of other shit to watch that is or, or, or something attached to, to Stranger Things in some way, we start to forget about shit. And just like the actors, we get older. So now... We don't fucking give a fuck about them anymore. I don't give a fuck about 20-something-year-old fucking Mike pretending that he's still fucking 14 years old on TV. That's stupid. You know, the, the, the benefit of them doing the show as a period piece was that they could at least maybe try to work the age of the actors into whatever they want to do with it. So if some time went by, then they should at least be making time go by in the, in the real world, let it match what's going on in the show and bring us into the 90s at this point. Take it out of the 80s, put these kids yeah. in the oh, 90s, yeah. make them no longer kids. You know, they, they better fucking do that. This shit better, this, they better not be trying to pawn off these fucking adults as children, children again. It just, yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you just said, and I think it would be irresponsible to have the show still be in the 80s if they're doing season five proper. If it's the final season, this is it for them. It'd be ridiculous if they did that to a point where it's like, oh, it's still the 80s. No, it's not. <laughs> like the ghoul said, they look like they're in their 20s at this point. It's, it's, it's not right. You know, it's set it in the mid-90s, 94, 95, have it like 10 years later. I'm all for it. You know, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what fucking... It's... it's I, Mm-hmm. I get pictures in my feed of Eleven wearing like fucking sexy, provocative fucking things nowadays. It's you know so what gross. I mean? It's, it's like, so gross. I don't find her attractive. You know what I mean? She's nope, nope. Whatever. You know what I mean? I know Millie Bobby Brown. She's, I'm not saying she's not a pretty girl or whatever. She's just not my type. So, you know, like she can do whatever the hell she wants. She's a grown fucking adult. She want to look sexy? Go ahead, look sexy. But like, it takes you out of the character. Because so much time has passed by. So now when, you know, fucking she's trying to play fucking, you know, I'm angsty fucking 11 again. All I'm sitting there thinking is, is, well, you didn't seem so fucking angsty when you're playing like fucking, you know, I don't know, goth with your tits hanging out in a fucking picture that I saw the other day. <laughs> I mean, she's getting married to fucking John Bovey's son, John, uh, Bon Jovi's son. So there you go. <laughs> that, uh, that helps you out, honey, you know, who, who sadly Indeed. retired. And then they, I remember they were asking uh, John Bon Jovi if he was going to perform at his son's wedding. He's like, what, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> my son's wedding? No, I'm not going to be performing at my son's wedding. But the most ridiculous question I think he's probably ever been asked. <laughs> like, no, first of all, he shouldn't because he sounds terrible now. And second of all, it's his son's wedding. Let him have a good time. You know, don't celebrate that. But, yeah, she was never my real cup of tea either. But, again, you know, somebody liked her, obviously. But so... A couple things. Uh, Fans of Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, like myself, is looking forward to it. Originally, the movie is going to drop on March 29th, but it's been brought up to March 22nd, releasing in IMAX and premium large format theaters. But on the interesting note, if you're a fan of the Godzilla X-Kong, the new Empire movie, that's actually taking the place of Ghostbusters on March 29th, when it was originally supposed to release on April 12th. So we're getting a couple bumped up release dates. So Godzilla moves into the former Ghostbusters release date, and Ghostbusters moves up a week earlier. So, and I, I'm going to go see it in IMAX, both of them, Ghostbusters and, and Godzilla uh, X-Kong, because I got to. And, I mean, especially Godzilla X-Kong, you know, and I know that supposedly they're going to release uh, Godzilla Minus One in black and white uh, this month at some point in the U.S. 
So I'm trying to keep my uh, eyes okay. peeled for that because that actually they announced they were doing it in the U.S. Because I know they're doing it in Japan on the 12th. I think it is. The last article I saw said that it was January for the states. So I just don't have a date. Okay. They just said that they were setting it for January. So I don't know when it is, but I saw that trailer. I put it in the group chat, and I was like, you know what? I actually kind of want to go see this movie, especially in black and white, because it just fits the narrative of the movie. So I'd be excited to see it. it so it, it, it will. It will. Look, it's going to look phenomenal in black and white. You know, as even in the style that it was filmed in color, um, it really does capture a uh, style of an older film, even though. Mm-hmm everything is new and you know it, you know what I mean? Um, but I think in the black, it, it would make sense that they're going to release it in the States as well. I know they want this to hit the hundred, the hundred million mark. Um, they're pushing, they're close. Um, and they are pushing hard for it and it deserves it, you know? So, I mean, if they can come up with the, I'm never one who, who enjoys like a good cash grab, but at the same time too, yeah. Like, they've already broken records as far as this being the most successful Japanese film as far as ever being released in the United States. Um, the, the movie deserves it. It's a, you know, if it wasn't a great movie, I'd be like, yeah, all right, whatever. But, you know what, it actually really is such a great movie. And in black and white, I will go see it again in the theater. I have no problem. Hopefully they'll do it in black and white and on IMAX because catching it on IMAX the last time was fucking phenomenal. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've definitely been singing its praises, so I, I'm looking forward to it. That's why I want to see it in black and white. I mean, I, you know, just because I would love to see an IMAX in black and white just because I think it would be great. But um, there was actually a suggestion, and I can't remember where I saw it. It was on Facebook. But somebody had uh, recommended that you kind of watch uh, Frank Darabont's The Mist in black and white to kind of get a better experience. And I actually watched a couple scenes of it in black and white, and it is so much fucking better watching it in black and white than it is in color. Because not only does it erase kind of some of the bad CGI where it kind of covers it up because of black and white, but it kind of gives us this weird kind of Twilight Zone, Outer Limits episode type of feel. Um, so I was actually impressed by the screenshots I saw and the couple of scenes I saw um, of watching it in black and white. So black and white sometimes can improve a movie. You know, definitely I think it would improve uh, Godzilla and also Oppenheimer. I wouldn't mind seeing a black and white version of Oppenheimer, but... You know, I think uh, I've, I've still yet to see Oppenheimer, so like that—that's one that I have to. I just—I never got to see. Uh, just never made it to the theater for it. Uh, I know it's, I'm sure it's still out because you know I know with the the Oscars and everything coming out, they they always throw movies back into the theater. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I haven't I haven't been to anything since December, so you know I'm definitely overdue to to get to the theater and and, and go see something. Um, you know, the Iron Claw. I know has been been touted. People yeah. really like it, and, and it had everybody buzzing about. You know, again, sorry. I know we're a horror movie podcast. We're talking about fucking wrestling <laughs> like ad nauseum today. Um, <laughs> don't don't worry. We'll get talking that. about the fucking the, 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 the fucking yeah the farts <laughs> and the fucking burps soon enough. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I heard good things about it, and you know that's one that I know like, I want to know for, to go and see with you. You know what I mean? So. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe we can see if we can try to make it happen. I got to cut a fucking tree up though this weekend, so I'm fucked. We had a tree go yeah, down in the yard yeah. uh, from the storms yesterday. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah, that's the fucking worst. And and yeah, I haven't been to the theater either yet, and I'm kind of falling behind. I want to go see Night Swim, even though it's been getting fucking terrible reviews. But I was like, I, I don't know. It's like the first horror movie of 2024. Like even if it's terrible, at least I could say I saw it. But 
uh, just fucking getting shit reviews. And I was like, I still want to see Iron Claw. I still haven't seen Saltburn yet, and I heard Saltburn's supposed to be really fucking good. I was like, yeah, I just, mm-hmm. you know, I have to plan around all these fucking movies, but um, I'll be there soon enough. But, uh, you know, since we are continuing as a horror podcast, uh, it was announced today uh, that The Blob is coming back to the big screen, courtesy of Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, David Bruckner is going to be writing and directing the classic horror story. Uh, he's directed uh, segments of VHS, The Night House, The Ritual, Southbound. Um, interesting choice for it. Uh, I think that the Chuck Russell movie speaks for itself, and I kind of wish that we had always gotten a sequel for that 1988 uh, film. Never did. Led for a sequel, but, I mean, I, I don't know. Just, I like the Steve McQueen version, don't get me wrong, but that 1988 version is like a chef's kiss the fucking gore effects and what they could do back in the eighties. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I, when I saw that somebody, I forget, somebody posted it on Facebook and I saw that they, they had written something about them getting the blob, getting a remake. I, uh, I was very much of mixed feelings with it, you know, knowing that the, the, the mm-hmm. 80, 88 film in itself is a remake, you know? So, so like, really, I can't, I can't bitch and moan about them remaking the film, but I do feel like, you know, and obviously it's, it's an age thing, but like, I feel like that 88 film is just so well done. And it's exactly. kind of like really, it really encapsulates like the whole entire, like it, it really is such a great homage to the fifties movie while still being mm-hmm. like a decent updated film that kind of takes place in the eighties using eighties level special effects. But when you watch it even today, it's still, it still holds up fairly well. Um, yeah. So like, I guess if done, maybe the idea, I guess if you do it and yeah, I too have always wanted to see a sequel because that fucking priest has that jar of that shit, bro. And that like, oh, you know, so yeah. come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that was like one that I just, I was itching for that shit happens at the end. He's fucking like, you know, yeah, come on, man. That fucking, that, that's a fucking travesty right there that we never got the blob sequel that we deserve. Um, mm-hmm. but I guess maybe, maybe, take it even a little more serious than the 80s film and let's see if something can be done with it, you know? Let's not go so much for camp and homage. Let's go for something that is, you know, 100% like this is like serious fucking straight up, like this could destroy the planet level type of shit, you know what I mean? And maybe that'll be something. I just feel like you got to do something different. You can't just remake and redo the same fucking movie again because that's just silly at this point. Oh, 100%. And I think that David Bruckner is a good choice. I mean, I, I'm a fan of his. Like, I like Southbound. It's an anthology movie. Um, the Ritual, uh, which is based on the David Neville novel, is really good. It was on Netflix for a while. I don't know if it's still there. But that was a great kind of creature feature type movie. Um, his segments of VHS were was good. So I think he's a good choice. But like you said, you know, give me something that is going to be good. Like, don't just copy what Chuck Russell did back in the 80s. You know, give us something modern. You know, give us something updated. And, and you know, just make it a fun, just goopy, you know, sloppy mess, you know, because you're not going to do better than the 88 version. It's just, it's impossible. Because that movie, like you said, still holds up today. I mean, they dropped that fucking kid in the sewer. I was like, this movie fucking rules. Like, nobody's safe from the fucking blob. 
when they <laughs> killed the kid, absolutely. As a kid myself, you know, seeing that film, and I remember renting that from the video store. I remember watching that with my buddy Mikey, who was my, my buddy Tim's younger brother. And I just remember the two of us watching that movie and both being like, oh, fuck, they killed the kid. You know, because you never, you never see that. <laughs> yeah. They don't kill kids. They don't kill kids in these movies. What, are you crazy? Yeah, no. Yeah, kids were always off limits. And, you know, you never really saw it that much. But, you know, every now and then you would, like, in Sleepaway Camp when Angela kills all the fucking kids, like the really fucking small kids, too. And you see their bodies in the sleeping bags. I'm like, oh, shit, nobody's fucking off limits in this movie. <clears throat> Everybody's getting killed. You know, um, you know what? Here, here's mm-hmm. the thing, though. And, you know, again, I mean, obviously, listen, spoilers notwithstanding, you know, if you've never seen Sleepaway Camp, stick your fucking feet over your ears. You probably, you probably shouldn't be watching this fucking, you probably shouldn't be listening to this anyway, this show. Um, but regardless, you know, I think no, no matter what, right, as a kid seeing Sleepaway Camp, and I was, I was a young kid when I saw Sleepaway Camp, I have fucking zero recollection, like as a kid seeing it, if you would have asked me, what were the things that happened in the movie Sleepaway Camp, right? I literally would have told mm-hmm. you, I would have told you, I remember the chef got burned, okay? And I mm-hmm. remember that yeah. Angela, had a, and Angela had a dick, okay? Those are the yeah. two fucking things that I remember. The creepy fucking end freeze frame after she fucking sits there and throws Paul's head and he goes, his fucking head goes fucking twirling away. And she said that because, again, like Angela? I said when we spoke about the movie, that fucking sequence blew my like yep. my fucking little brain, my childlike fucking brain exploded in so many fucking ways. There were so many questions that I never ever figured out what the fuck was happening in that film until many years later when I was older and could actually comprehend what I was actually seeing. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I honestly had a whole fucking fiction. I had a whole fiction put together. I thought that they sewed the fucking sister's head on the fucking brother's body. Like, these were all the things. Like, it never <laughs> occurred to me that it was the brother that lived and that they fucking, <laughs> that they just raised him as a girl because the fucking aunt was a psychopath. Like, none of that. Like, cause that was just, that was too hard of a concept for, again, I must have been, I must have been between the ages of eight and ten when I saw that fucking movie, bro. So, and again, as much as I enjoyed them, that's the other takeaway I had from Sleepaway Camp is they spoke like us. They sounded like New York kids. Sure they they all were New York kids. Eat shit and live, Donnie. You fucking that New York accent that they all had. You know, and, and I remember the, the chef, Angela's penis, and I also remember the cop with the electrical tape mustache. As the third act of the movie, when he comes out of that fucking cabin. And it's clearly fucking just electrical tape. Because he shaved his mustache off. And he's like, what the hell's going on? Like, it's just... You, just, you can't forget that. And you'll never forget that. Like I said, people that listen to this podcast, we hope you've seen Sleepaway Camp, but if you haven't, it's ruined for you. But nothing will fucking just ever match that fucking final shot of her with the open fucking mouth and fucking that snarl is coming out of it. And then you just see the dick. It's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Amazing. Like, you know, just, and the sequels are fun, but it's just, they're not that first one. They just, they went pure camp with the second and third. But that first one, and again, just so fucking wonderful. Um, but yeah, um, I guess the dean just decided he's just going to bail and not talk about not talking about 
Bucks score made tonight with us. Uh, so, you know, let's carry on with Adam as we do. Um, so, Fox Gourmet was the Demonic Dean's film pick of the week, uh, directed by Peter Strickland uh, from 2022. Um, and it's about people in an art collective and how they do things. Um, and they have their differences. And there's a journalist that has um, celiac disease, which means that he just farts a lot and has problems uh, with gluten. Um, and there's a, a flanger at some point that becomes an issue for, for the, uh, the, the trio. Uh, you know, to be honest, I don't know why you picked this because I don't, don't know that this is a horror movie. I, I, it's listed as a horror movie on IMDb. It's a horror comedy drama. I don't really know where the horror came in because um, it just seems like it's an art house douchebag movie where they're just trying to be fucking clever and weird and just doesn't work. I don't know if that was the guy's point, but it just felt like an hour and 45 minutes of just him being an artistic douchebag. Like, I kind of want to watch Neon Demon again, the Nicholas Ruffin movie that we talked about. I think it was the ghoul stick because I was like, he can now be forgiven because <laughs> like, he actually made a horror movie, um, you know, and, and say what you want about it, but... What, what the fuck Fox Gourmet was, I don't know. So, I cool, I want to get your thoughts on Fox Gourmet because I still don't know what the fuck I watched when I just sat through. Listen, you know, again, the Dean picks are always, in this household, the Dean's picks are always met with derision. You know, the ghoul girl <laughs> hates, hates fucking Dean picks. Like, when it is a Dean pick, it's almost fucking 100%. She's got no interest in watching the movie, you know, at all. Um, so, you know, I go into every pick of his, you know, with kind of a a bit of a a guard, so to say, you know, because I'm figuring that, all right, so the Dean has whatever list, whatever, he picks it He picks it from a hat. However, he, he comes up with whatever. <laughs> they're not movies that he... You know, so he doesn't pick a movie that right. he's seen. He typically tends to pick films that he's not watched, and they're movies that he wants to see because he's heard about it somewhere or saw an article about it somewhere or or something. You know, this is a fucking weird one. Uh, like you, I barely fucking comprehend what the fuck it is that they were, like, trying to accomplish in this film. Um, <laughs> being fucking weird and not really making much sense and just having utter randomness all over the place. You know, like you, you say the whole artistic, you know, the whole uh, douchey art stuff, you know, and you know, like, like we say, you know, we got, we got it from another fucking group or whatever, but there's no, the whole artistic douchebaggery. And <laughs> that is, is definitely something that I feel like kind of like fits the, the, the vibe of this movie. And I mean, you know, you know it's bad, right? When like, you know, like I, I tend to watch the film, and then I'll start to dig around a little bit. I'll try to like look up articles. I'll check Wikipedia, see mm -hmm. what you know, see what what went into the movie. You know, what did it take right. to like actually create this thing? Like, what were the thoughts of the for for the the production and everything? Uh, when you go to Wikipedia and you look at the production button, right? All it says is filming wrapped in July 2021. Oh, that's great. And and that is it. <laughs> 
um, that is completely all they have on the production of said film. Um, you know, reception fits, you know, for, for a film that made no money, um, you know, the, the, the response is just interesting. You know, this movie has an 85% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes based on 80 views. <laughs> 80 people, 80 people watched this movie, right? And 85% of them found something that was positive about it. Now, I don't know who those fucking 80 people are, but I guarantee you they're either somebody related to the fucking production of this film or the actors themselves, because that's fucking bullshit. There can't have been a lot of people that watched <laughs> yeah. this movie and fucking had anything to say other than that was bad and confusing, because this movie makes fucking zero sense all over. There's just random shit occurring. This guy's got fucking gas. You know, he turns out he's got celiac disease. Ooh, he's got a gluten allergy. Well, so does fucking everybody else. In, in the world these days, from what I can tell, I think I got a coworker that keeps complaining about his fucking his shit's all fucking weird. So now he's having one of his fucking this kid's like twenty six years old. He's running around and he's all like, "Oh, my tummy hurts. My poops are weird. I think I'm dying. I gotta go to every fucking doctor under the sun." I mean, I just told him the other day. I said, "You know, try cutting gluten out of your fucking diet. I, I guarantee you, your fucking tummy will start feeling better." And he's already in the whole like, "Oh, I bet you I got stomach cancer. This and that." Shut up, you fucking cunt. I can't stand that generation. <laughs> at all. I want to smack them all and fucking with my ball sack. I'm like, let's take my big stretchy balls and like stretch them over their fucking faces and like give them a fucking cowl. Um, a call. That's what it is. Not a cowl. Cowls what Batman wears. A call. call. Um, but yeah, this movie is just fucking, it's so bad. It's so bad. I don't know why they call this a horror movie. Wikipedia doesn't have it listed as a horror. It has it listed as a black comedy. But yeah, on Hulu, where I watched it, it's listed as a horror. Other things have it listed as a horror. Maybe they meant horrible. Um, <laughs> I don't see any horror in this movie. You know, like, no. maybe there's elements of, like, Maybe there's elements of, like, Giallo-esque film style at, at times. You know, I did get, like, Suspiria vibes here and there, and that's what I thought this was going to be. Mm. I thought this was going to be, like, a slow burn, and that this is going to be one of those movies where, like, the last fucking 15 to 10 minutes or so are going to be fucking mind-blowing, and I'm going to be like, wow, you know what, man, sure, it sucked having to watch this movie, but man, that ending was really fucking good. And no, no, this just, just, just continued to have fucking just disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. They even give you stuff, and you're like, well, I guess that's kind of fucking interesting, and then you're like, no, that ain't real either. And you're like, huh, this whole fucking thing is like, a, it's, like it's like watching, a, like just, just to bring it up yet again, it's like watching a bad WWE pay-per-view. You were excited for it all day. You've been fucking waiting for it all month. You fucking finally get it. And by the end, it's all the fucking, everybody still has the fucking belt. Nothing's changed in any way. And you're like, well, what the fuck did I bother paying for this for? Mm, that, that's quite fucking apt because it's it's not even like you could like I had such a fucking hard time doing the fucking narration notes for this because like it's just it's just fucking random bullshit. And I remember when I got to the ending, I'm like, okay, we have five minutes left. They're gonna blow my mind in five minutes. They just they're gonna do something so fucking weird that I'm be like, you know what? It made up for the fact that I had to sit through an hour and forty five minutes. And then it ended. And I was like, oh, oh no, they just insulted me. They just, they just, you know, I, I don't know who this movie is for. I don't know, like, who would watch it. I guarantee you, Ghoul, that it's probably the fucking cast and crew that fucking went on the IMDb and, like, this movie is the greatest movie of our generation. Um, and it is uh, definitely 8.5 out of 10. Uh, Peter Strickland is a genius. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I figured with the dean being the one that picked it, and knowing how the dean is, you know, he's like a, a, a you know, a, he won't call himself a chef because he's not necessarily a chef, but he's very apt in the kitchen. That fucking kid can cook, Agreed. man. You know, he can he can make some yeah. really banging fucking food. He has whipped up shit before, man. That I'm just like, I'm in fucking awe. Um, you know, and uh, and and he takes a lot of pride in it. And deservedly so. So I kind of figured, like, oh, maybe he figured that this is going to be a movie, like maybe like the the was it the menu, where um, the menu, yeah, that's a great movie. You know, where it's like, oh, okay, it's like a food based thing, and and this and this is where kind of not having the dean in for his pick is kind of like fuck, man. You know, because we don't get where his his mindset was for this. Or at the very least, you know, we don't get, like, a story from the dean telling us how maybe this is what he does on those weeks off. Like, maybe this is where he is tonight. Maybe, maybe it's like Fight Club. And because he's brought this to light, he's now in trouble because he was not supposed to let anybody know that, like, this movie ever actually came out. Yeah, now he's in trouble with the collective, the the Sonic caterers. Now they're just going to come after him with whimsy, I guess. That's that's what they do. I, I I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, the, the movie kicks off with uh, a woman with black fingernails waving them over a boiling pot, and then there's a voiceover of a man saying that it wasn't meant to end this way. All the previous residencies of this institute went smoothly, yet somehow the cracks were showing even in that month's collective. Then we cut to week one. The mouth is the light thereof. Two women, LDL and Lamina, and a man, Billy, wearing white sheets, stand in front of a table, uh, LDL is the, holding in the middle a knife, and we see this as a living tableau. The journalist, as we come to find out, is named Stones, um, and there's also a director there named Jan Stevens um, that runs this institute that they are a part of. Uh, this trio is called the Sonic Caterers. Uh, you'll eventually find out that they're trying to come up with like a band name for the three of them, L and Lamina and Billy. Um, I don't know. They're a uh, band. So, they were banned. Yeah, I thought the they were fucking like. I thought this was. Like, I thought this was like a food thing. So like at some <laughs> yeah, point, like halfway through this movie, they start talking about like they're a band, and I'm like, yeah. Oh, so they're not actually mm-hmm. like making food. They're just like using food sounds to make music. Yeah, right? it's unclear. I mean, even trying to explain this movie to somebody is fucking nauseating because I tried to explain it to a friend of mine, and they're like, why did you do that? And I was like, because it's for the show. <laughs> um, the ghoul girl walked. I, I only brought her in for one yeah. specific scene, and, and I'll talk about mm. it when we get to it. Well, she is lucky because we had to sit through the entire thing. <laughs> and now you guys do too because we're talking about it. Um, we then cut the stones meeting with Dr. Glock, who tells him that he has bad breath but also an acute case of acid reflux. Glock tells him to heed the teachings of Hippocrates. You better focus on a better diet and not eat before bed. And then we later see uh, Elle speaking with Stone about the scar on her hand and how much performance means to her, which is everything. Uh, We cut to Stone talking to Jan about the direction of the collective. Jan gets a phone call that could be possibly threatening. Um, It's kind of like uh, this is Stone uh, Spinal Tap, but for douchebags. Because Stones just kind of fucking just sits around and injures people and then talks about how fucking bad his gas is. Um, so uh, we cut to Lamina from the collective putting the cord from a set of headphones into a bowl of red liquid. 
as we hear Stones talking about how he had distanced himself from the collective, much due to his gastric discomfort. He tries to stay out of the way, especially with the tech, uh, technical assistant Vim involved. The next day, he explains that the Sonic Catering Institute groupers, uh, they go out for walks, which is vital. Um, they don't talk during all this. And then he explains that Dr. Glock's medicine doesn't really help him. He just farts and complains a lot about his bowels, as we'll find out. Um, Mm-hmm. Later, Stevens receives a call in her office. No one rejects us and lives to speak the tale. She hangs up, and then we see Billy speaking to Elle, and then we cut to dinner, where Stones is questioned by Lamina about his role as a journalist, and that's when Stevens welcomes LDL's speech uh, about a book that's from, like, the 50s about how to be a housewife, um, and then she kind of basically just says it was written by a man, and then goes on and on and on about what's in that book and about how a woman has to be subservient to a man. And Dr. Glock has really no problem with this, um, but LDL does. And that's the scene. Mm-hmm. And so, look, yeah. I get it. You know, I mean, if she's making a, a very a valid point. You know, yeah, I mean, she, she's not wrong, you know, but, like, it's just a weird like out of nowhere thing that's just like like there's no there's no impetus to it there's no no build up to it there's nothing like there's nothing around it nor does anything come from it you know like she just presents this and uh I I don't do, 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 I obviously I'm a very you know I I'm weird you know and ever since since I don't really drink anymore I'm really not a a, a social person you know I, I it's not that i don't like people i just don't like being around people um mm. and uh so 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 i, I at any point have you ever like during a dinner like have, have you ever had to get up and do a dinner speech what the fuck does a dinner speech no what the fuck is that about i think i would excuse myself and leave if somebody was like, we're going to this dinner and you're going to be asked to give a speech, I think I would just excuse myself. And then I would just sit outside and smoke like a half pack of cigarettes and just kind of hopefully come back in and they're done. And then I don't have to give a speech. Because I, I, I've had to give, like, not, like, speeches, but I've had to give, like, kind of things at, like, dinners and stuff like that where it's just like you're talking about a particular person. And even I don't like doing that because I just don't like talking in front of people. I mean, I know we do a podcast every week, but it's just us talking and bullshitting. But when I'm in mm-hmm. front of people, I don't like it because I also don't like people. I like select people. There's a select group of people that I do like, um, but the majority of people don't. So, so I get it. Just it, you know, the character of LDL just is all about herself and loves herself and just very much into her bullshit. So that's that's the type of character she is. So. You know, um, but Stones eventually goes outside to fart, uh, but Lamina also goes outside, and she's like, you missed out on some speeches. So we see outside the window, somebody is holding a knife uh, and a turtle, and I was like, oh, like the ghoul had said, maybe this is like the giallo aspect, because they got gloves on, and they're holding a knife to a turtle, like very Dario Argento-esque. Um, but it's really kind of, I don't know, gets entangled, because... Uh, uh, Stones is asked by Dr. Glock if he's read Euripides, uh, and then the turtle is thrown through the window, landing in a bowl of red sauce, and it's dead. Um, 
It's a prank from the Mangrel Snacks, a rejected group that always does this sort of thing. Um, and then later, Stevens directs Elle, Billy, and Lamina in a performance where they go grocery shopping. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it comes up a few times, but this is the first time, and it's just kind of like weird performance art, but they're pulling cans down for, and putting them in, in their shopping carts because um, mm-hmm. that's what you do at a supermarket. So we get that. Um, and then it will come up later, but later it's kind of like maybe there's a point to that, and maybe that's the horror. I mean, w- when we get there, uh, maybe we can figure it out. But anyway, um, after Elle again talks to Stones about how she joined the collective, Shirley has a story about when she was really a child. Kill a turtle. That, that, that's where I'm yeah. at at this point. Because, you know, in my head I'm seeing the turtle and I'm thinking fucking uh, I was a cannibal Firo. Um Oh, oh, uh, Holocaust. Holocaust, where they they killed the fucking turtle, and and that bummed me out. And anytime I see a turtle in a movie like this now, it's always like, you know, and I know know in this day and age that, you know, nobody's really going to do that, but, like, there's still just a part of me that worries about it. Well, I mean, that's the fear if you're going to watch an Italian 80s horror movie, especially a cannibal one, is that you're going to see an animal die. You know, whether it's a monkey or a turtle or something else, like, it's just, the Italians didn't get fucked. <laughs> I don't. I don't mind as long as it's not really happening. You know what I mean? Like I don't mind oh, no, it seeing happens. it as long as it's <laughs> yeah. not actually fucking like happening. You know, so knowing that it really happened to that poor turtle is kind of like, oh man. But I guess if they fucking ate it, they ate it, and that's that's not a bad thing. If you're gonna, if you're gonna no, kill I mean, something, make sure you consume it. That's exactly the whole thing about behind the scenes that they're actually eating it. They're using it for sustenance. They're not just killing to kill it, but. Like I said, if you watch an 80s Italian cannibal movie, guarantee you those animals actually die. Like they, there's no way that they put a fake animal in there at the last second. Those Italian directors like Ricardo Diodato uh, definitely did not give a fuck. Or Umberto Lenzi didn't care when he killed the monkeys and his uh, Green Inferno. So, you know, keep that in mind, folks. If you're watching an Italian 80s cannibal movie, those animals are dead. Um, but anyway, Elle is talking to Stones about how when she was a kid, uh, she had a kindergarten teacher named Mrs. Lindenson. Uh, and she died at her birthday party because apparently she was allergic to nuts, and the cooks made a big chocolate cake with nuts in it, not paying attention to this allergy, and it forever changed the way that she thought about food, and her work is in her honor. Again, I'm with the ghoul. I kept thinking that the entire time this is going to be about food in some way, shape, or form, but they're actually a band um, for some reason, because uh, then we cut to some weird ASMR performance where uh, Lamina, or L rather, is naked, covered in some kind of uh, blood and making noises with a microphone, where she's like deep-throating the fucking microphone. Um, and then afterwards, L is kind of embarrassed by the whole thing. She didn't think the audience liked it, but Jan Stevens is like, oh, no, they very much did like it, and they want to pay tribute. Um, and Elle says, bring them in. And apparently, according to Stones, uh, these tributes are basically just fucking orgies, where they just suck on Elle's tits and fucking touch a lot. I didn't mind it. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's fun, but... <laughs> uh, okay. uh, yeah, I don't know, man. You know, like... <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, maybe if the girls in the movie didn't have bodies like boys, and, like, even Jan Stevens, mm. you know, like, yeah, I, I know her... Yeah. Uh, Gwendolyn Christie. I know her as Brienne of Tarth from Game of Thrones. You know, she's she's a big, burly, fucking 
Yeah, well, I was going to say, she's a butch. She's a, <laughs> I, I don't find her like, in any insulting way, you know what I mean? She's just she's a, a very large woman in general. Um, and and she's mm-hmm. just and like not and not and obviously not in a heavy way, but she's just like she's a big girl, and I I, I don't I don't go for big girls. Um, and she's just not very pretty in the face either. So it's kind of like, like I feel bad saying it now. See, I feel like such a yeah. a misogynistic pig, but like I don't know. She's just, well, just I don't want to see. Here's the problem. I don't want to see these people fucking having orgies, including Aza, Aza fucking Butterfucking Bean or Butterfield, whatever the fuck his name is, man. <laughs> like, the, like that kid, I do honestly have some, like, I do feel a little bit bad for. Um, I know he was, like, one of those kids that was, like, a young actor, touted as being, like, you know, a very good dramatic actor. But then, like, you know, when they were looking and chasing for, like, whatever, whoever the next Harry Potter was going to be, they stuck him in that mm-hmm. Ender's Game film. And there's, like, a thousand fucking Ender's books, you know? Like, there's a, maybe not a thousand, but I know there's a lot of them, you know? Orson Scott Card yeah. has written a lot of those books. That universe is, is very well thought out and... and it's, it's it's a great read and it's a, a huge Star Wars esque, Dune esque, like, you know, it, it's on par with like those kind of things. And that movie was so fucking bad. Like, so any ideas for like sequels, like this kid probably thought he was gonna have it made for like the next ten fucking years easy. My bet. And it was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, 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 didn't didn't happen, bro. You, you didn't even hit like fucking uh I'm not going to say Hunger Games, because that was obviously huge. Uh, I don't know, what's one of the other? Oh, what was the, the, the Maze Runner series? You know, like that. Oh, that Divergent, like, you know, Maze Runners, whatever it is. Well, no, the, the, so Divergent I kind of put, like, under under uh, Hunger Games. You know, obviously Hunger Games was huge. Hmm. Divergent was, like, slightly less huge. But quality-wise, I, I have enjoyed those movies to to an extent. The first one especially. Um, and the second one really isn't, isn't terrible either. The third one, and then there's like Maze Runner, which is like, hey, can we make one of these like dystopian future types of survival movies but use a male for the lead instead of a female? And they were like, oh, yes, we can. Here we go. And then it's like, I don't know, like to me it feels like it's like, you know, you went to fucking, you went to five below, you know, to, to buy all the materials <laughs> for it. And like this, this is what you, you got produced. And I think they made, they might have made four of those ones. I can't remember if it was three or four, but regardless, uh, uh, th- that's what you got with that. Five, though, it wasn't five. Oh. It was three. I mean, you know, instead you get Asa Butterfield looking like a low rent Morrissey. That you get from Wish. dot com. <laughs> you know, and with this fucking gigantic hair and just fucking being upset all the time. Like I was like, he would be in a great Smiths cover band if that's what was in it. I mean, they're a band. I mean, they don't cover any Smith songs in this movie. But wrong place for him. But anyway, uh, we cut to week two. Uh, the stomach is the plight thereof. More of the collective messing around with sounds for their art, including, uh, including using a blender that overflows accidentally. Uh, L and Lamina bicker about what they call the art group, mainly because L wants it to be named L something else with her name being involved. So L later drops a bottle of wine on the stairs and has Billy go clean it up, feigning being sick. Uh, Jan tries to speak to the three, but Elle doesn't really want to be involved because, of course, Stevens and the Institute is funding them, so Jan needs to be involved. Um, and Jan thinks the flanger needs to be on a lower setting. 
uh, but that will be against Elvision. The flanger comes up to play soon. It's a machine that they use for their their stuff, um, and it's a great fucking thing for Elle because she likes the flanger, and, um, of course, Jen doesn't for some reason. Uh, Stones talks to Billy about how much she's uh, part of the collective, and he just thinks he's really good with sound, and he just likes it. Um, and he kind of got attached to Elle, as we find out. She was kind of like a motherly figure at one point, but then, uh, of course, she likes to play with Billy's nipples, uh, and they play the finger game, where she plays with herself, and then he snips her fingers, uh, but uh, that didn't last long, <laughs> the finger game. <laughs> <laughs> Actual so dialogue in the movie. Things. There's so many little details that are going to come up later in the film, too, in regards to, like, who Elle was to him that just makes this story so much more fucking, like, so much more amusing and funny when you consider what happens later. Mm -hmm. Um, So later, Stone visits with Dr. Glock for an ultrasound to figure out his fart problem. He asks Dr. Glock if he's going to die prematurely, but he doesn't get a reply other than we're all going to die at some point. Uh, and then we cut to more improv work with the three Sonic caterers in the imaginary grocery store uh, that night, which is, this is probably, if I had to pick a scene that I actually kind of liked in this movie, it'd be this one because it's so fucking awkward, but the actor playing Billy kind of sells it as fake Marcy, uh, where he speaks about a school field trip he went on with an all-boys school, and at a hotel, there was an omelet station where a blonde, curvaceous woman worked. He spoke to this egg lady, uh, and then he dreamed about her later, sitting on his face and laying an egg, which made him fall in love. The next day, he was caught looking down her blouse and immediately ratted out by his schoolmates. And Dr. Glock thinks he just needs some vitamin D. And then later, Elle bitches at Billy about his speech because it opposed hers from earlier because hers was all about, you know, anti-patriarchy and him just talking about fucking a woman laying eggs in his mouth. How dare you? How dare you, Billy? <laughs> uh, so you know what? This, is, this actually made me laugh, but, of course... Uh, this fucking story, okay? Like... Seriously, this story, okay, and I get it, you know, like people have weird fucking fetishes. They really do, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's okay. I was all for his entire fetish until it got to the fucking part of him getting an egg laid in his mouth. And I'm sitting there thinking <laughs> to myself, man, that had to have been like an ad-lib line. Like he went through that mm-hmm. entire thing that randomly came into his head, and he delivered the line, and fucking... Somebody was like, that was brilliant. I love this. This is great. <laughs> you know, because there's definitely no Peter way this Strickland. director of this movie he just didn't have a fucking foreign accent, man. So he was probably like, fantastic. Just smoking cigarettes the entire time. Yes, Asa, do that for me. Do that for Peter Strickland. Talk about the eggs. Yes. You know, yeah, just I, I could picture him doing that with a pencil thin mustache, and he's got a poodle for some reason in his lap because he's that type of person. Um, and then uh, later that night, Lamina talks to Elle about Stone's farting, and and Elle's just like, I don't fart. It's like that's impossible. Everybody farts. Like I don't. <laughs> I just I, again, like I just like that scene just because she's fucking mad at Billy. Then she's talking about how she doesn't fart. Um, and then fart, later bro. we you know that. Chicks don't fart. Of course they fart. You weren't up to James Allen Bob. No way, bro. No way, man. I've had chicks fart on my balls, bro. Fucking like in, in coitus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, there's nothing, when it nothing happens, worse when a little fucking there. ass gas gets released when you're in doggy too, man. That's uh, that's uh, that, that's an event. Oh, that little squeaky squeak. Yep. <laughs> I'm worried about the fucking squeak as much as the fucking a little bit of poopy smell. Oh no. Yeah, no, I've, I've had that happen before. It's a miserable experience. It stays with you. It's not something that you can just drop out. Um, but yeah, so of course. He just messaged us that he's sorry that he had to miss this. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he's devastated with his, uh, you know, Fight Club-esque uh, experiences. But anyway, uh, later we see Stone seated on a chair where the Sonic caterers walk around and talk to him uh, while reading from a book. And Dr. Glock has him hooked up to a machine that has a camera attached going down Stone's throat. And we can see that this is a public performance that he agreed to be a part of, uh, just not a part of the audience tribute after. Uh, Stone's is a watcher, not a shower. He doesn't like to do anything with the orgies. He just likes to watch it, and he's kind of embarrassed because he has flatulence. Um, and then Billy talks to Stones about Ellie, uh, L pinching his dad's nipples uh, and how his mom left. <laughs> then L became a mother figure to him, and he just well, no, L became the mind his stepmom. L got with his dad. That's I got that, but okay, okay. So like this is but like fucking. This is like our fucking stepmom porn that we like to watch. You know what I mean? Like fucking mom swap and shit. So, like, yeah, that's what makes that story earlier when we find out, like, they used to touch each other and, and fucking this whole smelling the finger thing. It's like, you know, like this, this kid we find out has a fucking, you know, a total mom fetish. You know, he's got, he's got a mom issue because he fucking his mom was like an actor or some shit. And she was always away filming and doing fucking other things. So like she was never giving him the attention that he desired. And, and here he finds it with this fucking creepy chick that likes to play with his nipples and then fucking finger fuck herself and, and make him smell her fucking her stank on her fucking fingies. You know, the funny thing is, though, is that, like, I, I wouldn't mind this. This is, like, right up my alley. You know, unfortunately, she's just not my type. No, no, none of them. That's what I mean, we talk about this. Like, it's, I don't think it's offensive to say that none of them are our types. And I love redheads. Don't get me wrong. I love older redheads. But no, L is just fucking atrocious. And Lamina looks like Kristen Stewart on a fucking good day, which is not good at all. So it's just not worth it. Like, just not <laughs> worth it. I just don't. And Jan Stevens, and just the makeup that they put on her, it's just, uh, no, just, just makes your fucking dick want to fucking rip off your fucking body and walk away. Just, that's, just, that's how they are. But anyway. Okay, so <laughs> so yeah, since since you kind of since you kind of broke the fucking cherry, man, dude, the sequence with him and Jan Stevens. Mm. This this yep. was the point of the movie that I actually dragged the ghoul girl back into the room, <laughs> just because it's one of those things that was just so awkward. And just so almost random feeling. Like there was just nothing, nothing smooth about how any of like what occurs in this set of scenes. Well, I guess not set, it's just one scene. And it's this one scene, they're, they're just nothing at all. It was just clumsy. It was just fucking bizarre. They're both bizarre fucking people. They're both fucking weird looking. And yeah, so to watch her suddenly like creep up behind him and reach in and start playing with his nipple and then like the speed at which she pulls her hand like right out 
and then like turns around and jams her fucking hand down her fucking pants and then like the the weird way that she like pulls it out and like puts it in front of him to fucking smell it holy fucking shit so like as much as i hate this fucking movie and as bad as this whole movie is like if somebody can fucking put just this sequence as like a fucking youtube clip or something that is all anybody needs to see to know what this movie is about okay because this movie is about playing with your nipples and smelling a dirty twat and that is exactly what fucking flux fucking flatulence is I mean, yeah, it's like, granted, yes, they do have that weird, disgusting fucking scene between uh, Jan Stevens and Billy where they, they have sex. I was more fucking grossed out by the whole fucking seduction that happened when he's fucking, like, sitting around and fucking eating. And Jan's like, oh, like, you know, what, what's going on? Like, why can't you just eat and talk? And he's like, well, I can't do that. And she's like, oh, let's compare mouth sizes. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I'm gonna sick. I was like, I don't do that. Oh God! And she opens her mouth, and he opens his, and she's like, see, not that much bigger. I'm like, oh, who's gonna go in your mouth? Talking about, she barely opened her mouth, man. That woman's mouth is gigantic. She could have probably swallowed his entire head. You know, but again, so, so many weird performances in this movie. You know, I, I know we barely fucking talk about them, but Doctor Glock. Like, that actor, you know, he was a weird one, man. You know, like, I feel like Mm -hmm. he, obviously, maybe due to his his advanced age, um, which I don't even think he's really all that old. Well, I thought that, too. Except, you know, he's only 70. Um, (laughs) But, like, yeah, I feel like the guy was, like, like, I feel like any time the camera was on him, he would, like, start to get this, like, weird smile on his face as if, like, <laughs> he'd never filmed a scene before and he was getting, like, stage fright. So all he could do was, like, awkwardly try to not grin, but he was failing at it because, like, his fucking forehead would, like, wrinkle. And then, like, a Popeye cartoon where Popeye, like, starts to make his bicep and another bicep, like, pops up on it. Like, he would get a wrinkle and then another wrinkle on top of the wrinkle that was already wrinkling. And then it would be like, bro, like, why are you grinning like the Joker over here, clown? Like, what, what <laughs> kind of doctor are you? Like, why are you here? Like, again, like, I was thinking, like, I was thinking with all the fucking, with all the Stones' fucking flatulence issues and everything, you know, like, I was starting to figure, I thought I figured the movie out. I was like, they are mm. setting this up. Like, yeah, they're a band. He's recording all of this information, but all of this is really just setting up for them to eat him at the end of the movie. I thought they were going towards this whole entire sacrifice cannibalism scene was what this whole thing was building towards. And that was the purpose of having the doctor. They were going to give him a colonoscopy and an endoscopy because they needed to make sure that he didn't have any toxins or poisons in his system that would actually harm them and the other guests and everything. But no, no. You just no, see, and that would have fucking made it good. Like, that's the problem. That would have made it good. Like, that would have been like, all right, well, that justifies it. I'm okay with it. Like I, like I had said, uh, we get the final five minutes of the movie, and I'm like, oh, here we go. And no, no, it, it, no. 
I mean, we'll get there, but um, so be- before Billy and Jen have their weird fucking finger game, Egg Lady Six, uh, Jen meets with L and Lamina and Billy, uh, and L decides to rip out pages of that woman's cookbook and eat them. Um, Jan wants them to take her seriously, uh, but Elle's finally like, you know what? Fine. You know, you want to talk about the flanger? Like, all right, I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say. Uh, but that doesn't go anywhere because Elle wants to find out if Stones is okay because uh, he fucking has trouble making poopies in the bathroom. Um, and then, uh, you know, so they have the weird sex, like we said. And then uh, Jan hypnotizes Billy with the scent of her pussy um, to turn off the flanger, you know, just – Finger, 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 smell, smell, smell. And then all of a sudden, Billy's like, I will turn off the flanger. Um, so Stones uh, lets us know, the audience, that his bowels aren't doing much better. The next day, he's going to have a tube put up his rectum to inflate his bowels because he needs to first produce a stool sample. Yep. So cut to week three. The bowel is the night thereof. So L prepares a stool sample, uh, and then she kind of, plays with a tube uh, while smoking a cigarette. Uh, Lamina talks to Stones about her work with Ellie and Bill. She also says she wanted to be a sonic caterer because of her mom and how she always silently cooked for her dad, crushing her own dreams uh, to care for him. Stones mentions that Elle told him that Lamina is secretive about food, but he says it doesn't matter because it doesn't. It doesn't matter to us. doesn't matter to the narrative. Um, so there's another performance art piece now with Stones' stool sample. Uh, Elle takes the cup and removes the shit with her fingers and then rubs it all over her face and chest in the name of arts. Uh, this was done because Stones didn't want to go through with a live colonoscopy, and surprise, uh, there was no orgy after this particular performance because of the Duke. Uh, but then we find out after the show that technical advisor Vims finds a jar of chocolate mousse and then eats it, revealing that what Elle was doing wasn't really performance, and this causes trust issues and causes a rift between the sonic caterers. I mean, she is a good actress, because you definitely believe that she was putting some poopy on her face because of the weird way she smelled and shit like that, but it was chocolate mousse after all. So man, one day after... You know, of- they could have let us just believe that it was shit, man, because, you know, like, yeah, I've watched yeah. one cup. Yep. I, I would have been happy if it was just shit the entire time. I would have been happy if they were just like, it was shit. And we and then if that stool sample was eaten by technical advisor Vince, I would have been happy with that too. Like, he's just fucking eating shit out of the cup because he's fucking weird. <laughs> that would have been fine too. It would have been a little bit weird. It would have been like a sallow moment for sure. But we don't get that. So uh, so they find out that one of the art pieces was destroyed thanks to the mangrel snacks. Um, the flanger will have to be taken as evidence, uh, and L did come up with a name for the band, L and the Gastric Ulcers, uh, but of course they laugh at her, and she's like, well, fine, fuck it, that's not the name of the band, we'll figure something else out. Uh, so one night, when Stones gets up to use the bathroom, Billy reveals a Tupperware container of food uh, that he eats from before putting it back under the sheets of his bed, um, and then Billy goes to lay with Jan and wants to know why she seduced him. Uh, is it because of the flanger? And she says, no, I actually really like you and wanted to be with you. And then he just kind of gets disgusted by the whole thing and says, uh, you know what, we could always just ball each other at one of the orgies, uh, but I'm out of here. So he leaves, and, and Jan is heartbroken, screaming his name, because she did have feelings for it. <laughs> he pulls right? the fucking dude. He totally pulls the rock yep. star move. 
You know, that's mm-hmm. totally what he did. He Like, you find out this entire time that he's kind of a fuckboy. You know, like, he's yep. obviously pulled this before, and he's doing it again. You know, he, he got what he wanted, and now he's bored with it, and he's getting out of there. And like he tells me, we're, we're going on tour soon, and, and all this and that. So, like, and again, this is where this whole band thing comes up, and it's like, I keep forgetting, like, oh, you guys don't make food. You just make noises. And that's what you're calling your band, is that you're making noises. And it's just, again, absurdity, absurdity, absurdity. And I'm still, you know, besides the fact that, like, I'm still, like, I'm still a little bitter about them faking the shit scene. You know, like, that's where I'm at at this point. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm, still a little bit bit, I'm still a little bit bitter about it. You know, like, I was enjoying watching her go through the, like, it smells bad. And then like mm-hmm. started to like wipe it on her face. And I remember just like watching it and thinking to myself, wow, this is so absurd. And like, kind of like laughing about it a little bit. And like, even if she's like putting it like around her forehead and shit, I'm thinking, wow, what an easy way to get pink eye, you know? But then like in my head, I started saying to myself, like, wow, well, <laughs> you know, obviously in real life, I know it's not shit, but I'm saying, you know, it's probably just chocolate and this is probably bullshit. So the fact that it ends up happening that way, I was kind of disappointed because I was hoping that, you know what, this movie is so fucking bad and it's clearly not a horror film. At the very least, you can do something that's just graphically fucking disgusting. 100%. That's why I said it was kind of like the Sallow moment, like Pasolini and Sallow, where they eat shit in that movie. Like, at least you're going to fucking watch something interesting because it's like, oh, shit, something interesting is going to happen. And then it's just to find out that it's just moose and say, yeah. All right, <clears throat> so we cut to a performance of Dr. Glock inserting a tube into Stones' asshole when he his bowels, and of course there's an orgy after. So at night, L asks Billy about the flanger, and he tells everyone that Jan did it all on purpose. So the Sonic caterers then all don black skin-tight outfits, a la Diabolique, and sneak into Jan's home. Uh, they find a covered birdcage and find the flanger inside, L attempts to get it, but they flee when L spots Jan asleep on the floor with a bunch of cops. And, uh, you know. <laughs> Which, I thought this is when it was going to go horror. I thought, hey, look at these motherfuckers sneaking around in these, these outfits and shit, and they're going to murder her. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this mm-hmm. is just yep, where I this movie's going to finally go, go horror film. But no, no, it doesn't. But, you know, like it is funny that she steals that diamond fucking necklace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, but they, they leave the flanger behind. But, yeah, I just definitely thought they were going to kill. Like, when you brought up the Jallos earlier, I was like, okay, this is all black. they got black gloves on. But now it's it's very much in line with this French uh, jewel uh, heist movie called Diabolique from the 60s. Uh, MST2K did an episode on it. It's not a bad one. And if you've ever seen the Beastie Boys music video for Body Moving, uh, they actually parodied, uh, parodied uh, Diabolique, but very similar. Um, so, anyway... Uh, Lamina talks to Stones again about things she's harboring but doesn't want to elaborate on. She also reveals that L caused her kindergarten teacher's death, much to Stone's surprise, because L's kind of a bitch that way. Uh, then we cut to another performance of the imaginary uh, grocery store, where Jan seemingly has them hypnotized uh, as she holds a cage with a flanger. They're all told to lay on the floor, which they do, and even Stones joins in. Stones' voice tells us it might be the trio's last time <clears throat> at the imaginary shop, uh, and his as well, 
again, this is where I'm thinking, okay, we're going into the final moments of this movie. Maybe this is the harder part. She's making them all kind of lay down on the floor. Maybe she's going to kill them. Maybe she's going to make them kill each other. Um, no. We just find out that Stones is going to get his uh, diagnosis at 9 a.m. the next day from Dr. Glock. Uh, and when he does, uh, I actually really like the fucking scene. <laughs> it was like, you got to laugh out of me because Dr. Glock's like, all right. This is what you have, and then just kind of laughs at him. And I'm like, again, I feel like Dr. Glock, the actor, didn't get any lines and just making it up because Stones gets so fucking mad that he rushes over to him and puts him in a headlock. What's my diagnosis? Tell me what it is. He's like, you got celiac disease. Just stay away from gluten, you fat fuck. Mm-hmm. Oh. You is have that to all? adjust your diet. It's wheat. This, 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 and this. And, you know, it's funny. I got, I got, like I said, I know the kid at work. I recently told him. And the only reason why I even know about that is because a friend of mine, um, Jim, had, had an issue in which, you know, he was, uh, he was a little bit older than me. And he was having, like, fucking mm-hmm. weird bowel. It was all mucus. It was like he was having nothing but, like, fucking nightmarish problems with it. Um, and he was truly concerned. And, you know, eventually he just, uh, on a whim, decided to cut out gluten and it completely like his, his symptoms like went away fairly quickly. Um, so like now mm. he lives a full like gluten free life, you know, and, and I'm sure that's difficult for people. You know, I, I, I don't, uh, I don't make fun of that kind of stuff. You know, like for, for me, I have a bad, like acid, right. like I got to get to the doctor eventually. I got bad acid reflux, man. It's fucking terrible. Mm. Like I, and I have to have like my coffee in the morning, and like I do, and like I just I spend right. the rest of the day like absolutely miserable because I need to get tums, and I, every day I fucking don't get myself tums for my truck so that I can fucking take the tums during the workday and not fucking deal with like fucking this acid reflux all day. But so is the cross that I I bear. Well, I had to cut back in coffee for the exact same reason, so I get it because I can't live without like a big cup of black coffee in the morning, and it started to fuck with my fucking stomach, and I was like, ah, this fucking blows, dude, because I love black coffee in the morning, but it started fucking with my shit, so yeah, I had to get tums as well, so I get it. Like, it's not fun. I still drink coffee, but I'll just pop a couple tums afterwards because my tummy hurts because I'm an old man. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> Stone tells us how hard his diet is, both in him physically and socially, and like, it, like the ghoul said, it is tough because you, you get a lot of cross-contamination. Even if you try to cut out gluten completely, it's, it's still going to be in other things that you wouldn't think it's going to be in. Um, but he eventually returned to normal, the diet worked, and to celebrate, Jan lets everybody wear jeans. Again, like it was one of those few moments in this movie where I'm like, okay, they're celebrating by casual Friday. They get to wear jeans today. Um, the Sonic caterers make a big deal, art piece, out of all sorts of gluten products, but they can't lift the actual thing it's in. Jen appears and says that for her final performance, they could use the flanger. Elle decides she's going to take a big old shit on the flanger, but Billy laughs at her, so she decides I'm not going to do that. And just kicks it away, and that's when we have to cut to the final art piece of this movie. Uh, so before that, Lamina gives a speech and announces she's leaving the group, which makes Elle laugh. Lamina is going to go solo, but Elle doesn't think she can do it without her. Billy is invited to go with Lamina if he so decides. Uh, so all of a sudden, Elle gets really into it with Lamina. They start fighting. Stones try to stop them. And we see outside a couple of mangrel snacks show up with a sniper rifle, and Elle is hit, and she apparently dies uh, before telling them what the name of the band is. 
And then we cut to Billy and Lamina, once again in the white attire that we've seen them in, um, and they're cutting up pieces of flesh and putting them into various instruments like a blender. We see an ear going in. So with five minutes left, you think this is going into horror territory. Okay, okay. It finally earns the Hulu and IMDb credit for horror. Um, we see Stones wearing white as well, sitting at a little table with a bowl in front of him because he's going to be fed the slurry that was once L. Um, as an audience watches on and claps, uh, he eats a spoonful. And then we see L standing in the back among the crowd, wearing sunglasses and a scarf, very much alive as Stone smiles. And that is the end of the movie. So yet Again, another like, bullshit cool, fake like out. Just like the you shit. said, like the whole shit thing. Yeah, just like the shit thing. They fucking, they made it seem like she was dead. I'm like, oh, my shit, they're covering her up. There's the ear in the blender. I was like, this is, they're feeding him some body, and it's cannibalism. This is cool, all right? It earned its horror stripe. But, no, they pull back and they reveal that Ella's still very much alive, and she's just moving out on her own. It, it was like a big fuck you, because <laughs> I was waiting for the entire movie for a horror moment to happen. And when it did, yeah. it's, again, just ripped out. Well, it also, you know, makes me, like, and again, I, I really don't, see, my problem is I really don't want to put much thought into this movie. I don't want to think no. about it. I don't want to have to think while I'm watching it. And I'm the kind of person that does like a thinking movie. So don't, don't get me wrong. I do enjoy a movie that does, you know, does incite thought, but not mm-hmm. like this. I don't want to have to chase figuring out what the fuck it is that I'm watching just because somebody wanted to put some nonsensical shit together. But what this one thing does make me think is that those, whatever they were called, the mango groves or whatever the fuck, the mango boys. Oh, the mango um, snacks. Yeah. The the, the mango snacks. That they were all part of her plan. L whatever the fuck her name is, because they have been in on it the entire time. You know, they're throwing the turtle, and you think back to the earlier line, oh, they maybe they're doing it because they know I'm a vegetarian. So, like, mm-hmm. it kind of makes me feel like, you know, like this, this whole thing is one big orchestrated fucking thing of bullshit. And that just makes me even more bitter. It makes me fucking dislike the movie even more. So it's such a fucking, like, a, an exercise in just frustration and anger and upsetness and I don't care if a movie made me feel something. It doesn't mean I fucking would ever, ever recommend it to anybody or fucking ever want to see any fucking iota of this film again. I don't know who you would recommend this movie to, to be honest. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't, like, I don't, because like you said, you like a thinking movie and sometimes I do as well. Sometimes I do like a thinking movie. That kind of makes you think after the movie's over, wow, okay. Like you think about it and what happened and you kind of apply logic to it. This movie, there's just, I can't imagine saying, guys, like you have to see Flux Gourmet because it's, it's really going to make you think about art pieces and installations and collectives. And it, it does. It, um, it was done much better when it was called The Menu. Um, that fucking movie is great. You know, it, it's not necessarily a thinking movie. It's just a movie having fun and making fun of people that are kind of douchebags when it comes to food critics and chefs and everything like that. Like Ray Fiennes is great. John Leguizamo is great. And like it's the entire time I kept thinking I'd much rather be watching the fucking menu than this movie because mm-hmm. the menu got it right. And it made sense from beginning to end. And I'd recommend that movie to a lot of people. <laughs> <I'm> like, <it's, laughs> you know? 
Well, now we're never picking it, man, thing. because we know the king likes oh. I know, no, I know, but I'll end up making it my pick at some point this year. Like, you know, watch that uh, taste out of your mouth of, of Fox Gourmet. But speaking of picks, uh, it is my next week, and I needed a fucking palate cleanser after this fucking movie. Because originally I was like, you know what, maybe I'll go with the Jello because it is Jello January. This movie made me just so fucking just like I can't, I couldn't even fucking think straight. I, don't think, I just want a fucking relaxer. I want a relaxed fucking movie next week that we can just fucking have fun with. Um, and kind of go into familiar territory with it as well. So next week for my film pick, I'm going with Evil Dead Rise. We'll talk about it. came out last year. The Lee Cronin movie. I just want to watch a fun one that (laughs) isn't about an art collective. That's just about fucking deadites and how they want to swallow your soul. (laughs) So Evil Dead Rise, we'll talk about it next week. So if the Dean can't make it for that one, who cares? I think we'll have a much better time <laughs> talking about a movie with the beginning, middle, and an end <laughs> than uh, this fucking movie that he couldn't make it on for. So, yeah, stay tuned next my week. high rise. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you know, I just I want to talk about something that we could have fun with, but it's actually a fun movie. <laughs> we could have fun with it, and it's also a fun movie. But anyway, uh, so yes, Evil Dead Rise, uh, Lee Cronin's movie next week. Uh, so again, guys, uh, thank you for listening to the Ghoul and I talk for mostly about wrestling, uh, which we had a great time with, and then uh, talking about a very fucking bad movie called Fuck Gourmet that we're never going to mention again and never watch again because uh, it just it was that bad. But uh, anyway, uh, Ghoul, as we close out tonight's episode, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off? Right, at least, uh, you know what? Evil Dead Rise does run off of the movie that we did just discuss because there are eggs involved with it. There, there is an egg scene. Um, there is. Aside from that, there you go. See myself. Stay scared, everybody. Stay scared of flux, flux capacitors. <laughs> flux capacitors, flux gourmet. All I know is that next week, Mommy's with the maggots now. She's not playing the finger game or any other nipple-twisting game. No, she's just with the maggots. <laughs> it smells like home. Ew, Billy, shut up. I don't talk about you anymore. So thank you guys so much for listening uh, to this episode of the show where we talked about the Dean's film pick of Flux for May. Next week, we're going to fucking go back to the world of horror with Evil Dead Rise. Hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail Odorous. Watch horror movies. Keep America strong. We'll see you back here next week.